that we uh, should get involved in things because we need to be involved in things. And so whatever area that you look at that kind of grips your heart where there's a concern, the next thing should be like, how can I be moved into action because of it, right? How can I move from just having concerns to be moved into how do I engage in this? And, And really that's how we become salt and light in the world. That's how we function as the hands and feet of Jesus. From your own little neighborhood to places thousands of miles away, a lot is going on in our world right now. Today, Pastor Daniel invites you to consider what to do with the concern that you feel. He'll encourage you to turn your concern into action. Let God motivate you to get involved and take steps to be a force for positive change in the issues that touch your heart. When you allow God to direct your steps, you'll be amazed at what He can do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, as he begins a new study called Jesus is Fully God. It's an amazing thing that we have people in our lives that help show us the way. I mean, you think about the way that we're raised. Our, Our parents' job is really to teach us how to live, like what, what is important. And, and that is why God has created the family. It, it, it's meant to be the primary socializing unit in your life. I was just thinking about this because I was thinking about, you know, when I was growing up, you know, being an all Italian kid, you know, a, a family was such an important part of life. And I remember my parents talking to me and my sisters as we were growing up and, and they reminded us that, hey, listen, Friends are going to come and go, but your family, for better or for worse, is always going to be your family. You know, I was thinking about that because just recently uh, my uncle passed away, my dad's older brother, and me and my dad were talking about it, and, and he said, hey, listen, my dad was like, you know, we were very different. They, they shared a room when they were growing up, and my dad is very particular, so his room was like perfectly, they, they literally put a piece of scotch tape down the middle of the room, and one side was my dad's side, was everything was super neat. The other side was my Uncle Phil's side. It was totally trashed, you know? So they were different, but as they grew and as they moved through life, although they were so different, because they were family, they always stayed close. And when we found out that my Uncle Phil had passed away, my dad said, listen, we, we were different, but we were always there for one another. And, and it's something that, like, my dad understood that growing up. They instilled that in me and my sisters. And now, as, you know, me and all my sisters have kids, we're, we're instilling the same things. See, we learn about what life is supposed to be from the elders and, and the spiritual parents in our lives. And in a lot of ways, as we look at the, the scriptures, that's what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's, he writes these letters because as an elder in the faith, he's trying to help these young churches, these, these, these blossoming new faith communities really understand this is how we're supposed to move through the world. And for each one of us, it's important that we have people in our lives who pour into us, who, who teach us, hey, this is how this goes. I look at my own life spiritually and how God has surrounded me at different seasons with different 
people who help kind of guide me in my faith. I remember when I was, uh, you know, when I was just beginning my journey, two of my buddies, uh, Mike and Jeff, uh, had begun walking with Jesus before me, and they were the first people who helped kind of guide me, got me reading the Bible. I remember my buddy Mike, I'll never forget this, when I got saved, uh, he gave me two books. He gave me uh, a study Bible, and then he gave me the book Humility by Andrew Murray. And he's like, you need to read this. And I, start, I always start laughing because I'm like, oh, man, this is, I'm going to read this book. And I started reading it. And it was all about humility. And really what he was telling me is that I was proud and arrogant and I needed to grow in that area. And he was totally right. It's a great book. And, but like, you know, he was, they were the first people that God used. And then in the next season, then uh, there was a pastor who was in my life and another older man. And they were pouring into me. And in that next season of my life, they were the people who were, who were really guiding me through that. And then a little bit, little while longer than uh, my pastor, John Henry Corcoran in, in Marin County. And before I know it, him and his bride, Hillary, and their family is, you know, discipling me. And, and, and in each season, God is so faithful to bring around people to teach you. And then I, I think about when I came up here to Crossroads, I had been friends with our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie, for years. But really, when I came up and, and Bill and I, we began the transition here at Crossroads and built another mentor in my life, somebody who speaks into my life. And, and, and even today, I, you know, I was just on the way in today, I, was, I called a, a buddy of mine and my buddy started speaking to my life, been in the ministry a long time. And there's, so God is always faithful to put people in our life to lead us. And, and that's why here at Crossroads, we're we're so big. We want all of you in, in community groups because we need people to join us on the journey. Like your walk with Jesus is your own, but you actually need people to help speak into it. People help color the journey, show us different things. You know, I've learned more from people who, you know, made mistakes and they're like, oh man, when I was your age, I did this and I wish I'd never done that. Or I, I made this mistake or, or this wasn't important to me then, but it should have been. See, we need those people in our lives. And the apostle Paul really is that for the early church where he's writing these letters. And part of it was because of his missionary journeys that he had taken. He, he had relationships in all these churches. And although the Apostle Paul didn't plant the church in Colossae, the book that we're studying right now, you know, he was connected to these churches. And so his concern to help them grow to maturity drove him to write these letters that we are learning from still today. And so we're continuing this series called Understanding Jesus as we look at this great letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. And I want to encourage you, and I've been encouraging, listen, I want you to really soak in these verses. I want you to spend time in these verses. What I can unpack over a 30-minute message does not nearly do justice to the depth of insight that there can be found in these verses. And so really take these verses and, 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 and pray over them and journal about them and, and read supplemental materials so that you can really grow in your faith. And so today, I want you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Verses 1 to 10. Today we'll be taking Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And we, we get a little bit more insight into the Apostle Paul and his heart for the church in Colossae. So open up those Bibles. If you're looking for, the, for Paul's letter to Colossians, it's in the New Testament. It's in between his book Philippians and First Thessalonians. Of course, if you're opening up your, uh, a browser window, don't forget, type in Colossians 2, colon, 1 to 10, and you'll be able to see where we are. So picking up in verse 1 of Colossians chapter 2, it says this. It says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their 
hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Now, what you realize in these verses is, is really simple, is that the Apostle Paul had never been to the church in Colossae. You know, we had seen earlier that Epaphras most likely was the founder of the church, but the Apostle Paul knew about the church, and he was concerned for the church. But really what you learn in these verses is that you and I, we need to learn how to turn our concern into action. You need to turn your concern into action. I thought that this was really appropriate given kind of all that's going on in the world today because it's really easy when you look at all the things that are going on, whether it's in our culture, in our world, in the church, going on globally and and locally. It's one thing to be concerned and it's another thing to be a part of the solution, right? And so really what we find here is the Apostle Paul, although he'd never been to the church in Colossae, he's writing a letter to them. So he's not just willing to be nervous or worried about things. He, he engages in action. And, and I, I really want to encourage this of all of us because our faith is meant to be an active faith, not, not a passive faith. And our faith should never be something where we don't really feel that we uh, should get involved in things because we need to be involved in things. And so whatever area that you look at that kind of grips your heart where there's a concern, the next thing should be like, how can I be moved into action because of it? Right? How can I move from just having concerns to be moved into how do I engage in this? And, and really, that's how we become salt and light in the world. That's how we function as the hands and feet of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is teaching that. Look at what he says, verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So, so right there he's saying, look, there's, there's the church of Colossae, there's Laodicea, which was a, an adjacent community there in the Lycus Valley. And by the end of the letter, he's going to say, hey, listen, I want you to read this letter, give it to the church in Laodicea, and I want you to read the letter I sent them. So he wants them to share the information. He's saying, but I have this concern because you've never met me before. And then notice what he says. What is this concern, though? that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying, look, my concern is I want the church to be strong. I want the people's hearts to be encouraged. I, I I want them to be knit, their hearts to be knit together in love. I don't want people to be As individuals, I want them to be one body in Christ. And I want the people to be attaining to the full assurance of the understanding of the knowledge of the mysteries of God. I want people to grow up in their faith. See, and in a lot of ways, it's not enough just to be concerned. We need to intercede and then get involved. Many of you enjoy the two-minute messages that I, that I get to do. And what's amazing is, is the two-minute messages that we do, we've been doing them for, gosh, a long time now. But they actually began because, you know, I would see people at Crossroads in our family room, our lobby, and I would talk to people, and I would see people, you know, Sunday by Sunday, right? And then I was realizing that in the seven in-between days between Sunday and Sunday, all sorts of stuff goes on. I started to realize that, listen, 
90 minutes on a Sunday isn't enough to be able to impact a 168-hour week. That like life can radically change in a moment. So I started saying to myself, if I, if I just have people Sunday to Sunday, how do I get to meet people in the middle? I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, social media. I can just like write, I can, it started with me writing these little uh, devotionals, a couple paragraphs. I'd have my quiet time. I'd sit down at my computer and I'd write a paragraph and I'd send it, you know? And then one day I'm like, I don't feel like typing. <laughs> Type all week long. I'm just going to pull out my phone. I record a video and I posted it. And then before you know, it's like people are like, oh, it's encouraging. Why? Because I was concerned watching people's lives and knowing people need more than what I could just give them on a Sunday. So I'm like, oh, this is a way to do that. And, and like so much of what God is doing is somebody being concerned about something and then moving it to action. Like many, many decades ago here in Clark County, you know, uh, with all that was going on, there was, not a, there was not a crisis pregnancy center. And at the time, there was a, a gentleman who was a, a doctor, a medical doctor on the board. And him and Pastor Bill Ritchie sat down and said, hey, like, we need to start a crisis pregnancy. And Option 360 was started. That's what they call it now, you know? And, and like, but again, there's a concern. And then it's not just a concern that we keep in our heads, but it moves into action, concrete action. And I think that we all need to say, Lord, what is breaking your heart that is breaking my heart? And Lord, how do I put feet on this and engage in the solution? And of course, the Apostle John said it this way, First John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. By this, we know love, because he, speaking of Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart to him, how does the love of God abide in him? You you see what John's saying there. He's saying, listen, you know, God loves us. And we love the brethren. And because Jesus laid down his life for us, then we ought to lay down our life for other people. And if we see people in need and we don't engage in in concrete action, then how does the love of God abide in us? And so much of what we do as a church family is kind of driven by it's not enough to be concerned. We need to be moved into action. It's why we do so much work with foster care in our community. Because we know that God loves children. And, and children who are coming from families for all these different reasons, there's all these issues, they, they need godly people to stand in there. It's why we have a great care ministry. We, we, we realize that between our chaplains, pastoral care counselors, that people need people to talk to. So it's like, we can't be like, oh, man, we're concerned for you. No, no, how do we move into action with that? We look at, at, at the global scene with the message of Jesus, and we realize that in that 1040 window from 10 degrees to 40 degrees latitude, northern Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and Asia, they call it the 1040 window, that there's over 2 billion unreached people who don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel. There's not a church in their, in their language, in their location. Where they can, and we're like, hey, we need to change that because we, we don't just want to be concerned about things. We say, Lord, how do we move our concern into action? That's also one of the reasons why, as a church, we're so committed to community groups because we love that we're Crossroads is an awesome family and a huge family. I mean, in the top, you know, 1% of size of churches in, in the world, Crossroads is part of that. But we don't just want people to come to a big group. We want people to have relationships, right? So the concern is, how do we get people to do life together? 
You have the community groups. And for each one of us, I think that there is unique gifts. There's unique callings. And so the best place to start, if you're not actively walking out in your calling right now, is what concerns you? What worries you? So anytime I'll meet someone, they'll say, oh, man, I'm so concerned about the youth today. I'm like, hey, you should serve in students. They look at you because people are more apt today to be concerned without action. So I was like, man, I am just re- like, this is really bothering me. It's like, hey, are you serving there right now? See, start with what is breaking your heart. Because if, it's, if you're in Christ and it's breaking God's heart, it's breaking your heart. And then say, and how can I step into this? How can I step into this? See, the Apostle Paul, he's concerned for these churches. He's never even been there because he realizes that there's stuff going on. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Remember I told you earlier that there was lots of things going on culturally. The church in Colossae was struggling because there was cultural beliefs and spiritual beliefs, and there was all these heresies moving through the church. And the Apostle Paul is saying, oh, listen, I'm concerned for all these churches. I've never seen you because there are people coming through very persuasive, persuasive words, and they're trying to rip people off. They're trying to pull people away. And listen, the same thing goes on today, right? Where someone comes in and and they're speaking and then the way that they're speaking, and it's like if people aren't reading their Bibles, it's so easy that someone's charismatic personality, somebody's polarizing position, somebody, you know, tapping into something that is angsty in, in culture. Before you know it, this whole thing happens and people are getting pulled away from the good news. They're moving from being joyful, loving believers. And before you know it, they're mad and vindictive and malicious. And you're like, well, what? I thought you loved Jesus. I was just, my heart was breaking about this. I was watching, sometimes online, and you look online, it breaks your heart. I saw someone's page, and it was somebody who had, at one time, was just such like a kind, loving man. I just want, I just want everyone to know Jesus. And now they're just going on and on, calling people. I'm just like, what happened? But you realize what happens. That Satan's job is always to divide people. Always divide them from Jesus. Divide them from other people. And I love the fact that the Apostle Paul, he heard about what was going on in Colossae. He wasn't just concerned. He's like, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going I'm to I'm share with you what you need to know. Now, from there, look at what happens. Because in verse 5, it says this. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, Remember I told you that, you know, we learn from our parents. We learn from elders. We learn from mentors. And in a lot of ways, the Apostle Paul here, he teaches us, like, if we want to grow and understand Jesus and really blossom in our faith, what do we need to do? And really what I could say about these verses is you and I, we need to learn from the verbs. We need to learn from the verbs because the Apostle Paul is really talking about an active faith a faith that is engaged, not a passive faith. And in these few verses that I read, Paul uses a lot of verbs, right? Because our faith is active. Now notice, he says, though I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit. 
And what's he doing? He's rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. So you notice you have, first you have this idea of rejoicing, right? If we're in Christ, we should be rejoicing that we're in Christ. And the Apostle Paul is finding tremendous joy in what's going on in the church in Colossae. There's also a steadfastness to their faith, right? So, so the church in Colossae has a can't stop, won't stop kind of a mentality, that no matter what's going on around us, we are going to continue to, to follow Jesus. I love that. We need a gritty faith in this generation. We need people to be willing to say, listen, because of all that's going on, it's Jesus and Jesus and more Jesus. Like the old song says, you know, the, the, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back, right? We need a grittiness, a steadfastness to our faith. Right? But not only that, notice what else he says here. He says, as you therefore have received Christ, so walk in him. And so, so what, what are you receiving right now and what are you walking in? Right? Every single day we receive things. Right? And he's saying, listen, we've received Christ. And because we've received Christ, now we need to walk in Christ. We, we need to let our lives every single day, one foot in front of the other, one minute after the next minute, one hour after the next hour, one day after the next day. We just keep walking in Christ because we've received him. Never wanting to walk anywhere else. We, we don't want to walk as just political people. We don't want to walk as ideological people. We don't want to walk in, in our vocations. Whatever those things may be, we walk in Christ. And we're committed to that. Right? And, and when we walk, we've received Jesus and we've been, been rooted in, and, and, and we're walking with Jesus. Notice next, we're rooted and we're built up in him. I like that. Where are you sinking your roots right now? Where am I sinking my roots right now? You think about what the roots are. The roots are where you get your nourishment from. Right? So, so like, I, I planted a bunch of trees in, in, in my yard, some privacy trees, you know? And, and some of the trees they took right off. Other the trees, they're not doing so hot. And when I was looking at, hey, what's going on with these trees? Oh, yeah, when you plant a new tree, not all of them root in the same way. Some of them actually can't root. Right? And so whatever you put your root, that's what you get your nourishment out of. And if you don't get rooted, you end up withering. But if you get rooted, you can grow strong. Right? So you had to ask yourself, where do you get your nourishment from? For, for, the, for the child of God, the only place you're going to get spiritual nourishment from is from the scriptures, from worship, from, from biblical community, from, from, from the family of God, through, through, through self-sacrificial service in the name of Jesus. So depending on where you're getting your nourishment from, you know, whatever you put in, you, you put garbage in, what do you get out? You get garbage out. I I remember, forget that, because you guys know I love food, right? But I remember there was this documentary that came out a bunch of years back called Supersize Me, where, you know, the guy was a, you know, pretty decently in-shape guy, and he decided he was going to go on a fast food diet for 30 days. And it was crazy to watch it, because it was like, he, he got like all these, you know, tests done, and literally within two weeks of being on a fast food diet for 30 days, he was like, his liver was starting to fail. Because all he was allowed to do was eat one fast food company. And you're like, wow. But, but listen, if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. And that's not only true just for what we eat. That's true spiritually speaking. And what you're rooted in is where you're getting your nourishment from. And we need to make sure that we're, we're rooted in Jesus. Jesus is real. Just like God designed your body to move and grow, He wants your faith to be active and thriving too. 
Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to learn from the verbs Paul used in this passage. Paul's vision for you is that you'll have a gritty, enduring faith that rejoices in who God is and what he's up to. He wants you to receive Christ and walk in the hope you have because of him. You also learn that you should be firmly rooted in the word, connected to other believers, having a life of service, and at times, suffering. All of these things will build you up in your faith and strengthen your walk with the Lord. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share that like the Colossians, we all need people in our lives that show us the way. Paul encouraged them to live lives rooted in Jesus and abounding in thanksgiving. That's God's desire for your life too. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Understanding Jesus. Until then, may God bless.